welcome to the AK-47 podcast. My name is Kristen Godsey, and I am pretty happy to say that this is exactly the one-year anniversary of this podcast. I started it on a whim last year on January 30th. It was my attempt to try to do something that wasn't writing because I feel like all of my creative and intellectual energy goes into the written page and I don't do social media and I don't really have other ways of communicating my ideas and thoughts or talking about things that I'm pretty passionate about like Alexandra Kollontai for instance. I'm obviously not a digital native and the whole idea of putting this podcast together was a kind of guerrilla project but I made it a year. I am think we're getting close to 47 episodes. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not exactly sure if I'm going to count the bonus episodes or if I'm just going to keep this going beyond 47 episodes since the idea was to read 47 selections from the works of Alexandra Kolontai. That's sort of what I signed up for. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. But for now, I am going to continue with part four of The Loves of Three Generations, which is the story we've been reading over the last three episodes. And finally, the protagonist, uh, again, we assume who is Alexandra Kolontai herself, is going to meet with Olga Sergeyevna, who's the woman who has been writing this very long, detailed letter about her life. She's going to come and see the protagonist and explain the difficulties that she's having in her personal life with her daughter. So this is part four of The Loves of Three Generations. A few days later, Olga Sergeyevna came to see me at the agreed time, late in the evening. I noticed immediately how drawn she looked and the troubled expression in her eyes. But it was with a new interest that I looked at this modestly dressed woman with neatly arranged hair, who was always so quietly self-possessed. There was an undeniable charm about her, the charm of a fully integrated personality. Nevertheless, looking at her as we discussed recent political matters, I just couldn't reconcile the image of this highly placed worker and industrial organizer with the woman who had written me her confession. But now let's talk about my problem, shall we? said Olga Sergeyevna, interrupting herself in that dry, clear voice of hers, which reminded me of her mother's compelling voice. The problem is my daughter, Zhenya. I'd like you to have a word with her. It may well be that there is something that I just don't understand and that this is just the inevitable crisis between generations. But it may be something else. Possibly Zhenya really has been corrupted by the abnormal conditions of her upbringing. Even as a very little girl, she was being carted from one place to another with her grandmother, with me, with friends. Over the past few years, she's lived in a factory, fully involved in factory life. She's gone to work at the front, taken part in the recent production drive, and naturally she's experienced many things which in the past girls of her age would have only heard about. Perhaps this is all as it should be, and one just has to face it. But on the other hand, if you only knew how utterly confused I've been these last few weeks, I just don't know what's right and what's wrong. It used to make me so happy that Zhenya was so unprejudiced and that she faced up to life so boldly. She could extricate herself from any sort of practical difficulty. She was not intellectually equivocal. She was honest to the point of naivete, it often seemed to me. And now, suddenly, well, 
Briefly, the facts are these. You know that when I was studying abroad, I met Comrade Ryabkov, whom I nursed back to health in Davos. Since that time, we have been living as man and wife. Of course, I'm considerably older than he is, and you might say he was my pupil. But in all these seven years, we've been very happy. When we returned together in 1917, we both helped to establish the power of the Soviets. You know what a sunny disposition Comrade Ryabkov has. He's a true proletarian by temperament and a totally uncompromising person by nature. I don't need to tell you what kind of a worker he is either. Everybody knows about that. I thought there was no cloud in our relationship and that everything was happy and simple between us. Last year, when we settled in Moscow, I decided Zhenya should live with us. She's a party worker, as you know, although she's only just 20. She's a tireless, passionate girl, just like her grandmother. And she has a good reputation in her district. You know our housing allocation, one room for three people. We're cramped, but that's unavoidable in the present circumstances. And besides, we're very rarely at home, especially me. I am frequently out of town visiting factories. When, after such a long separation, Zhenya did move in with us, she almost immediately established a close relationship with us. It was exceptionally friendly. I didn't feel at all like her mother, and just being with her made me feel young. Her energy, her laughter, and her youthful self-confidence were so infectious. Comrade Ryabkov got on with her splendidly, too, and I was delighted, as I had feared that they wouldn't take to each other. But Zhenya and André became excellent comrades, and I would send them off together to the theater or to meetings and public conferences. We lived together amicably and harmoniously, and what pleased me most of all was that André became so much more cheerful and fell ill less often. That was all fine until, until something happened which changed everything. Olga Sergeyevna broke off suddenly, as if it was too painful for her to continue. I waited while Olga Sergeyevna looked over my shoulder out the window. Well, Olga Sergeyevna, I said at last, I would suspect that what happened is distressing but inevitable. Zhenya and Comrade Ryabkov slept together. But come on, what is so dreadful and sordid about that? You must really try to understand that sort of thing. Oh, but it's not that. It's not that at all, Olga Sergeyevna interrupted me hastily. No, it's just that afterwards I felt I could suddenly see into Zhenya and his minds. And what did you see there? Oh, it was a kind of heartlessness which I found utterly incomprehensible. A calm confidence in their own rights in the matter. There was something cold and rational about it, a kind of cynicism. You see, there's no love involved, no passion or regrets, nor any desire to end the situation. It's as if everything is just as it should be, and it's only me who doesn't understand and is behind the times. Sometimes their behavior strikes me as the most utterly contemptible moral laxity and incomprehensible promiscuity. But then I'm assailed by doubts and wonder if it's really is me who is behind the times. After all, my mother didn't understand my emotional crisis. And so that's why I'm asking you to help me to make sense of things. Olga Sergeyevna then told me that her daughter had come to see her at work and had asked her mother for a 10-minute interview because, as she said, there's no other way of getting a hold of you, mother. Very calmly and without preamble, she had informed her mother that she had all the symptoms of being pregnant. 
Olga Sergeyevna had been utterly aghast at this and involuntarily exclaimed, but by whom? I don't know, Zhenya had replied. Her mother had concluded that she did not want to tell her, but something about this news had devastated her. Zhenya asked her mother's advice on how to arrange an abortion. The new abortion law had just come into effect and wanted the papers to take to the appropriate department. She didn't want a baby. She didn't have time for one. Olga Sergeyevna hadn't told her husband of Zhenya's news, as she regarded this as Zhenya's personal affair, and she could always tell him herself if she wanted to. But there was something, some unconscious anxiety about the whole thing, which preyed on Olga Sergeyevna's mind. Doubts began to stir in her, and details of their life together started taking on a wholly different light. Olga Sergeyevna despised herself for these thoughts and tried to drive them from her mind, but they persisted and prevented her from getting on with her work. And they persisted so obstinately that one evening, in the middle of a conference, she pretended to be unwell, went home, and there she had found her daughter and her husband in each other's arms. You know, it wasn't so much the facts of the case which stunned me at the time. It was what happened afterwards. Andre simply grabbed his hat and walked out. And when I blurted out to Zhenya, but why did you tell me that you didn't know by whom you were pregnant? She replied quite calmly, I'll say again what I said then. I don't know whose baby it is. It might be Andre and it might be the other one. What do you mean the other one? Well, these past few months, I've been involved with another man. Nobody you know. Can you understand how flabbergasted I was at this news? Zhenya then told me that even when she was taking parcels to the front, she was already having sexual relationships. But the thing I found most bewildering and shocking was that she declared quite openly that she did not love anyone and had never done so. But why do you sleep with men then? Is it because you're really so attracted to them physically? You're still so young. Why, it's not normal at your age. How can I put it, mother? For a long time, I was really just physically attracted to men, as you probably understand the term anyway. That is, until I met this other man, the one I've been involved with over the past few months, although it's all over now. But I liked the men I slept with, and they liked me. That way, it's simple. It doesn't tie you to anything. I can't understand what you're so upset about, mother. It would be different if I were prostituting myself or being raped, but this is something I do quite voluntarily, of my own free will. We stay together as long as we get on with each other, and when we no longer do, we just part company and nobody gets hurt. Of course, I'm going to lose two or three weeks' work because of this abortion, which is a pity, but that's my own fault and next time I'll take more proper precautions. When Olga Sergeyevna asked her how, after everything she'd said, she could have two relationships at the same time, and why she would want to anyway, since she did not love anyone, Zhenya replied that it had been a coincidence. The other man attracted her emotionally, but treated her like a baby and refused to take her seriously, which had infuriated her. It was her feelings of outrage that had led her to take up with Andre, whom she felt to be a kindred spirit, and whom she loved as a friend and with whom she always felt happy and comfortable. And do they know about each other? Olga Sergeyevna had asked her. Yes, of course. I don't see that I have anything to conceal from them. They don't have to sleep with me if they don't like it. I have my own life to live and Andre doesn't mind, she had replied. 
Oh, the other man gets angry about it and started to give me ultimatums, but of course he came around in the end. Anyway, I've left him now. I lost interest in him. He was so crude. I really don't like that sort of person. Olga Sergeyevna then tried to point out how unacceptable this frivolous attitude to sexual relationships was, frivolous about life and about people in general. But Zhenya had argued back, saying, Look, mother, you say that my behavior is shabby, that you shouldn't sleep with people you don't love, and that my cynicism is driving you to despair. But just tell me honestly, if I were a boy, your 22-year-old son, who had been at the front and had genuinely led an independent life, would you be so horrified to hear that he had been sleeping with women he liked? I don't mean with prostitutes he'd bought or with little girls he'd seduced, because I agree that that is shabby, but with women he liked and who liked him too. Would that really horrify you so much? Admit it. It wouldn't, would it? So why are you in such a state of despair about what you describe as my immorality? I assure you, I'm exactly the same sort of person, and I'm perfectly well aware of my obligations and my responsibilities to the party. But I don't understand what the party, the revolution, the devastation of the country, the white guard, and everything else you've been talking about have to do with the fact that I sleep with Andre and with someone else at the same time. I couldn't possibly have a baby. And I know that. It would be terribly wrong at this time when there are so many political problems. I'm quite well aware of that. And at the moment, I certainly don't intend to be a mother. But as for everything else... But what about me, Zhenya? cried Olga Sergeyevna. Did you never consider how I might react to your relationship with Andre? But how could it make a difference to you? Zhenya objected. It was you who wanted us to be close to each other, and you who were so pleased that we were friends. Where are the boundaries of intimacy? Why is it all right for us to experience things together, enjoy ourselves together, but not sleep together? It's not as if we've taken anything from you. Andre still worships you as he always worshipped you, and I certainly haven't robbed you of one iota of his love for you. Anyway, what does it matter to you? It's all the same to you. You never have the time for that sort of thing. Besides, mother, do you really want to tie Andre to your apron string so that he can't have a life of his own without you knowing about it? That really would be a terribly possessive attitude. It must be grandmother's bourgeois upbringing coming out in you. Anyway, you're being so unfair. In your day, you lived your own life. So why shouldn't Andre now? What had upset and angered Olga Sergeyevna most of all was that neither her daughter nor her husband had shown any signs of remorse, just saw everything as quite natural, simple, and not worth discussing. It was only with the greatest condescension to her, as someone who didn't really understand things, that Andre and Genya had laboriously made a few superficial remarks about how sorry they were that everything had worked out like this and regretting that they had made life so unpleasant for her. But she had been only too painfully aware that neither Zhenya nor her gentle, sincere Andre truly considered themselves to be in the wrong. Both of them constantly repeated variations on the theme that nothing had changed and that she was viewing the whole thing quite needlessly through these tragic dimensions. Nobody, they assured her, wanted to cause her pain or unhappiness. But if it was really upsetting her so much, they would both agree to call it a day, although they couldn't imagine what difference that was going to make. 
It was because she was plunged in the chaos of ideas and emotions that Olga Sergeyevna had decided to ask for my advice and for some clarification of the matter. Was this nothing more than wanton promiscuity, unchecked by any sort of moral standards? Or was it some quite new phenomenon created by new lifestyles? Was this, in fact, the new morality? We discussed these questions at great length. Okay, so for this episode, I'm going to stop right there. Hopefully, I will be able to finish the story in the next episode, but I think we're getting to the juicy part here. So obviously... Olga is upset because her daughter and her husband are sleeping with each other. This is a situation of a grown stepdaughter, Genya is 20, sleeping with a husband, Andre, who is considerably younger, it sounds like seven years younger than Olga Sergeyevna, so, and they don't think there's anything wrong with this, and in fact they think that Olga Sergeyevna is being kind of old-fashioned and bourgeois for even minding. So the next part of the story is Alexandra Kolontai essentially giving her read on the situation. And I think that this is a story, as I've said in previous episodes, that actually gets her in a lot of trouble because essentially I think what Kolontai argues at the end of the day is that probably this is okay and that in a world where we have these um, much more kin-like relationships with our comrades, we have this comradely love the possession of romantic love will not be as strong. And to a certain extent, I think Olga Sergeyevna is actually a little outdated in her worldview, according to Kolontai. But we'll talk more about that in the next episode. This is Kristen Godsey with the AK-47 podcast. Thank you so much for listening for this whole year as I made it through the year and keep up the good fight. Mm-hmm.